Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 569 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba, alongside Brandon Pillar up in the Blue Mountains, and we have a very fun Send Central citizen to start off the week. It's Jonas Sogard, and he's been a Senators fan long before the team selected his brother. Yeah, great interview with Mad's brother. And we continue our prospect profile countdown with numbers 44, 43, and 42. Our first boots on the ground profiles. We got to see one of these players live. We'll tell you who that is. Plus, we'll raise our glass to the career of one of the greatest senators of all time. Jason Spezza has announced his retirement. All of this is brought to you by Bet Online. More odds, props, and lines than ever before. Visit Bet Online. It's where the game starts. Now the show starts. This is the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Senators your first listen on this Monday, May 30th. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including on YouTube, where the best way to help us grow is to like the video, subscribe, and leave a comment below. Today's comment, we want to know what your best and everlasting memory will be of Jason Spetz's 11 years in the nation's capital. Pilsy, what's yours? Well, Ross, as you tweeted out, I'm going to take the low-hanging fruit here, and it's (laughs) got to be that overtime goal against Montreal. I mean, that just perfectly embodies what Jason Spezza was able to do with the puck when he was in his prime. Like the puck was on a string and he's like to even think about creating that play and then being able to pull it off in overtime against one of your biggest rivals, nonetheless, was just spectacular. Like that's what Jason Spezza was all about when he was an Ottawa Senator. And what was really cool about that, just to pick up from your point, that was eight games in to the 05-06 season. So that was the very start of the Spezza, Heatley, yeah. Alfredson trio. They hadn't even come up with a nickname yet, but they were already producing because Pilsy, that goal to win the eighth game of the season, Sens were 7-1, and one, that gave him 14 points in eight <laughs> games. He had points in every single one. They were as dominant offensively as we've ever seen in Ottawa. And of course, there's a couple guys right now, and I put out a tweet we'll get to where it's like, where is Jason Spetz among the greatest senators all time? And some people are already saying leave room for number 18, Tim Stutzla, who has a little bit of similarity to Jason Spetz's yep. game in terms of the flash, the brilliance. Maybe the younger fans um, would see him more of how he reinvented his career. And credit to him, man. When when he left Ottawa, like he had that back surgery, missed yep. almost all did miss all, I think, except for five games yeah, of the 2012-2013 yeah. season. Came back for three games in the playoffs, but Pittsburgh was a wagon. They were they weren't winning that series with or without Jason Spezza. But it's weird to remember that Montreal series, and he was just hurt on the sidelines, and they still had that uh, amount of domination. But with that back injury, and you know, it just felt like he was probably on the back nine, if not on the second or third last hole. You could see the clubhouse, but then he decided. 
I'm going to be a defensive-minded forward and really manage to play as many years, like eight years outside of Ottawa afterwards. So stick yeah. taps to Jason Spezza for that. Where is he for you on the greatest Senators of all time? I think my list is probably pretty similar to yours. I think he cracks the top five, but just barely, and only just barely because he he left, right? Yeah. Like, I think if he would have stayed in Ottawa for those years that he was in Dallas and amassed similar points and had a similar type of game, I think you got you got to get him probably in top three, like yes. j- just behind uh, Alfie and Carlson at that point. And the crazy thing is, for his time in Ottawa... 687 points in 686 games with the Sens. So like like you said, like he arrived at the perfect time. Alfie being already an established veteran in the NHL. Danny Heatley coming over in the host of trade. And then Spezza being the guy that can set both of them up. Mainly setting Danny Heatley up. Just worked so perfectly. In Ian Mendes' article, Friday's guest of the show. Friend of the show Friday. It was uh, great <laughs> to see he was able to hunt down. Danny Heatley, and I need to reach out. Like, Ian, you have to get him to come on. Oh, on that'd be all time, all time. He, yeah. he would be the, the guest who I would be most curious and intrigued to talk to on this show. But he he cracked my top five, Pilsy. I'm talking about Danny Heatley. My top five pulling up right now. Greatest Senators in franchise history. Greatest, not most talented. There is a difference in that because I think we could all agree the most talented Senator you've ever seen is Eric Carlson. I'm sure Daniel Alfredson would tell you that as well. But my list goes Alfredson 1, Carlson 2, and a lot of people were ready to throw Jason Spets in at 3, Pilsy. But the amount of times Craig Anderson stood on his head yep. and allowed this team to have success has to be put in there. His last year as a 36-year-old in front of that team, they had a pair of Bergdorfer and Justin Falk in the National League, and he had a 905 save percentage. That, to me, is outstanding. But the reason mainly why I have Craig Anderson there, the playoff performances and leading them out of that 2011 rebuild way quicker than they could have imagined. He was the reason why they had the pesky sends in 2012. But also, so was Jason Spezza. As a 30-year-old Pilsy, this guy was fifth in the National Hockey League in scoring that year. I believe he had 85 points. And that season was where he showed that his hands... They weren't slowing down with age. How about the goal against Winnipeg where I'm giving him credit for that goal. Although Kyle Turris may have touched it last, he he made four or five players look absolutely silly out there. Yeah, honestly, like I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it. That's like a a primary goal it, like, and we'll give Kyle Turris a secondary assist on making that goal happen. You know what I'm saying? Like that's yeah. how the play turned out. I would say it's like when you have a coach out there coaching Timbits and they just want to play keep away at the end of practice and they're just having fun with the kids, but they won't let the kids touch the puck. <laughs> that was Jason Spencer patrolling the offensive zone in Winnipeg. No, Ross, that's when, when you're uh, a kid and like a younger kid and one of the high school kids is getting like volunteer hours, like helping set up cones and stuff. And yeah, at the end of the practice, he's like, I'm going to show these kids uh, what it's like playing in, in midget. In Midget House League, this is what we do, not uh, Adam House League. And then he just dangles. We're going to get into the list of greatest senators a lot deeper into the offseason because it certainly hit a a, uh, a button with the fan base. Over 100 replies to that tweet. And just to finish my list, I've got Hosa and Yashin as my next two. I know some people will want Chris Neal there. 
Chris Phillips there a little bit further behind for me just because of the outrageous abilities offensively that we got to see with Marion Hosa. And people forget Alexi Ashen. I know it left poorly, but he's the reason why. Or he's sorry, he's the only senator to ever be nominated for the MVP of the National Hockey League. He finished second in voting in the late 90s. But Pilsy, perfect segue because Alexi Ashen turned in to Jason Spetson. You don't see it often where a player comes to a team that's so deep into a contending window as a second overall pick. And that's where the the battle of Jason Spetson needed to be shown. Ilya Kovalchuk, Ian Mendez pointed out, had like 50 NHL goals by the time Spezza was a full-time NHLer. So I think to go through that battle, I think that helped him a lot more at the back end of his career, where he really appreciated how hard it was to get to where he was. Yeah, and that's a good point. And I think um, you got a Rangers jersey behind you, a similar comparison. We'll get to the parlay, buddy. (laughs) Yeah, a similar comparison, though, would be Lafreniere, although he was a first overall he wasn't brought into a rebuilding team and he's the number one center. The Rangers were on the upswing of their rebuild, already ready to contend. And now he's like a third line player and he's going to have to figure out how to play uh, defensively better rather than just be like, Hey, I'll be a guy that comes in here, puts up points. Who cares where he finished in the regular season? There's so much more that he has to bring to his game now, which is kind of like what Jason Spezza had to do. He had to learn how to stop playing hockey like a boy and start playing hockey like a man. Um, you want to cherry pick stat to leave off our Jason Spezza conversation? I got a very, I got a very cherry pick stat for you, but Hey, it's a statistic nonetheless. So <laughs> we, we... <laughs> love, love that justification. Are, are you ready for it though? I'm yeah. pulling it up right now from 2005. So the start of, of, uh, post lockout era yes, and the end of 07. So two playoffs. And the Senators didn't even get out of the second round in one of them. But in those two playoffs combined, Jason Spezza had the most points in the National Hockey League. I think that's pretty impressive. You got Chris tied for the most points. With Chris Pronger, but Pronger played 13 more games. So (laughs) I think tie break goes to the runner in that situation. So, hey, that's super impressed. Let's see points per game as well. Ah, A couple guys down, but 30 games. Martin Havlat, one of them. That 06 run for Havlat was ridiculous. But Jason Spezza, man, you see his line mates right there too. And a big reason Ooh. for that is oh, it's just easy if we go to 06, 07. When, when they were 1, 2, the and Ottawa 3. Ottawa yeah. <laughs> had 1, 2, and 3. And how and all 22 points. Wow. That they're all tied. Exactly. They all wanted to get each other into the mix. And I think the most impressive part about them, like look at that. All of them had double digits and even strength points as well. It wasn't like these guys were only contributing on the power play, although they certainly did that as well. Jason Spezza, a part of the pizza line. And I I replied to the NHL's tweet where I said, man, I don't think people outside Ottawa realize Pizza Pizza had to change that promotion from five goals to six goals. Because if you go back and look at the 06-07 game log, I was doing it a little bit earlier today, kind of realizing just how special this Ottawa Senators team was back in the day. Like the teams that Spezza was on there from 05, 06, 06, 07, those are some of the most high scoring teams in the salary cap era when you don't combine the results. Uh, Goals four, let's see this. So Florida this year, Tampa, Washington from 09, 010, Toronto this year, and then the Ottawa Senators from 05, 06, right there. 312 goals scored, Pilsy, in 82 games. Spezza, huge reason why. And uh, yeah. They were certainly putting pizza pizza on the brink 
of, of of bankruptcy. I mean, there Pizza Pizza was losing money, and Ross, my famous saying is Pizza Pizza. They have to call themselves Pizza Pizza because they have to remind you twice what you're eating because uh, not great stuff. So at least you were getting free Pizza Pizza at that point from the pizza line. Exactly. I always was curious because every night we go to a Sens game, and instead of a lunch bag the next day going into to grade eight and grade nine. I would just be handed my ticket from last night's game and say, go enjoy, <laughs> enjoy lunch nice. on Jason Spezza. So cheers to you, buddy. Yep. Huge career, over a 1,000 games. I'm sure it'll bother him that he finishes at 995 points, oh, just shy no. of a 1,000. And you know what I have to say to that? If you decide to play somewhere other than Toronto, you probably would have been bit put in a better situation and you would have been able to accomplish that feat. All right, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I put out a little bit of a troll tweet, and oh, boy, did the uh, the leaf pile certainly got a hold of that one, but we'll leave it right there. Pilsy, you got a word from one of our favorite sponsors. Then we'll get to Jonas Sogard. And then back to our 2020 draft rankings where we are now doing three per show up until the first rounders. Then it goes down to two. If you missed any, we got the full playlist laid out for you on YouTube. Yep, and now to one of our favorite sponsors, the presenting sponsor of this episode, Ross. It's betonline.net. Look, hockey is coming to a close here. We're almost at the conference finals, but there's so much more that you can get in on at betonline.net. You got basketball, the finals, our name, Celtics versus Warriors, an all-time battle. That's going to be a good one. Get in on that action. There's boxing. There's UFC. There's um, international hockey going on. Actually, that just finished. So there's so much that you can get in on the action with at betonline.net, and it remains the best spot for your sports scores, podcasts, news, all the latest odds, totals, players, performance, whatever you need, make sure you're going to betonline.net, the trusted online sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. Head to the website today or use your mobile device if you're at the game and you want a live bet to learn more about the trends and action. It's betonline.net, where the game starts. All right, Pilsy, just before we get to Jonas Sogard... Can we get a what the heck from yesterday's gold medal game between Canada and Finland? Those refs, man, they must be swimming in money today. I mean, it is uh, it is a little tough when the home team mm. ends up winning a gold medal in overtime up against hmm. arguably the biggest like international giant of the ice hockey world in Canada. Well, and give an assist to the refs on those two goals in the third period. It was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. We bet real money on this stuff. His own stick goes up and hits him in the face, and it's a call for a five on three. Anyways, that's neither here nor there. I'm sure Jonas Sogard is still soaking in the fact that Denmark was able to beat Canada earlier on in that tournament, and this is just a fun conversation, so let's get to it. This week's Send Central Citizen, we're going over the pond to Denmark to talk to Mad Sogard's older brother, Jonas. All right, we're now very pleased to welcome this week's Sen Central Citizen. We're going over to Denmark for the first relative of a Senators player, and he's been a longtime Sens fan as well. It's Jonas Sogard. What's up, man? Welcome to Locked On Senators. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, dude, we're excited to have you. You've got such a unique perspective, but we like yep. to go all the way back when Mads was under five feet tall, I think, when you were already a Sens <laughs> fan. How did you initially fall in love with the team? 
Oh yeah, it's a funny story. Mass told a couple of times, but uh, he we were playing NHL ten or eleven, I think, and yep. uh, I didn't have a team at the time, so uh, I told Mass, okay, the next time the next team is gonna land on, I'm gonna root for that. Yeah, uh, and so happens to be sense. There you go. So, so when you played your first game with the the Sens on uh, on Chell, how did you do? Oh, uh, not too good. I, I recall <laughs> we were playing uh, we were playing the shootout, and Mass is pretty good at, at the Chell. So, yeah, makes sense. <laughs> Does Mads uh, put the goalie uh, player on? Like he controls the goalie during oh, shootouts no, no, in no, Chell. No, no. Uh, he's, uh, <laughs> he's, uh, he's he's solid at at Chell. I, have I believe it. Who were the first Ottawa Senators players that you fell in love with? Oh, it has to be uh, Daniel Epperson, yes. for sure. Uh, I was lucky enough to meet him, actually, uh, in Sweden. No way. How'd that go? Like, uh, like how did it come about? Um, each uh, summer, Mess was attending a hockey camp up in, uh, up in Sweden. Uh, and I've been to it a couple of times as well, but, you know, just as seeing him playing and having a vacation but I wasn't I wasn't feeling it so I said I, I didn't want to come then my dad called me and said uh, you know uh, Daniel Elfson is here and I was <laughs> like okay I, I'm coming yeah that's so, fair uh, <laughs> I took the ferry uh, from Denmark to uh, to Sweden and to see him and it was kind of surreal to be honest yeah, that's awesome. You're able just to hop on a boat and uh, head yeah. over to, to Sweden. So um, now, just so just so we're aware here, are you Mads' older or younger brother? What's the age gap between you guys? I'm two years older than him. Okay, nice. So actually, I should have guessed that. It's always the younger player or the yeah. younger uh, brother that's the goalie because you're like, ah, I, I've already been playing forward or defense. Like, why don't you just strap the pads on and I'll just fire slap shots at you? How about we do that? Yeah. Is that kind of how, how things went that? for you guys? <laughs> yeah, it's, it, uh, I mean, I never actually played hockey. I've just been shooting pucks. Okay. Uh, but uh, mess in an early age were were just drawn to the goalie to to the goal and to be a goalie so i mean i wasn't complaining i had one to shoot again i had a goalie to shoot on now so no doubt hey so we're um we're contracted to put out some ideas for his helmet next year do you have anything that we that we should be adding in there we need to have like an angry looking great dane on there for sure but is there anything that maybe Mads liked when he was younger that would be funny to put on there? Like any cartoons? Because, I mean, he had Waldo on I was there say this Waldo, year. Yeah, yeah but, he had Waldo, yeah. <laughs> but oh. anything else like from his childhood that you think would be funny to, to incorporate into his helmet? I think maybe put a keyboard on the side of it. Oh, like did he play the yeah. keyboard? Yeah. I mean, he says he does, but uh, <laughs> I don't really agree about that. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, we want to ask you about the experience. Were you, were you were with Mads uh, on draft night, right? Yeah. yeah. How did that whole lead up go? And then when the Ottawa Senators traded up to yeah. get that pick, did you know it was going to be Mads? I had no idea. I, <laughs> I was probably more nervous than Mads was. Uh, yeah, I, was, uh, I actually didn't see it at Ottawa. It was their turn picking. And 
I was looking at his billet family and talked to them. And then all of a sudden I hear, I hear the Sogard name and I was looked up and it happens to be Senator. So I was stoked to be, yeah, just crazy to think about. That's amazing. Yeah. That's, that's when you know it's just meant to be, right? Like you're yeah. randomly a Sens fan in uh, Denmark, our first Sens Central citizen from Denmark. So <laughs> congrats to you on that title. And Thank you. Uh, <laughs> well earned, well earned. And um, so when the draft was happening, were was there a team you were hoping he would go to? Like, were you hoping he would go to the Sens, or were you just like, ah, I don't really care. I just want to hear his name. Somewhere warm that you can go visit him. Yeah, right? that's kind of what I was getting <laughs> yeah. at, too. Maybe you're like, ah, San Jose would be all right. San Jose isn't too bad. No, uh, it was, um, I was just happy to see him. I always believe in him. I've always said, you're going to make the NHL. You're going to be a great player. You're going to be a great goalie. Yep. So uh, to see it finally come true, it's, it was amazing but it was only a small step ahead of the road so he got lots lots of stuff to still learn but he's we're watching it from home and we're where, where were you where were you on uh, the night he made his first nhl start uh, I was yeah, well you're up it. early right that would have been early I was morning watching it nice um i watched it and then about 30 maybe 45 minutes later i had to meet in work so I just kept an all-nighter and went to work. There you go. I had to see that game. Oh, yeah. And and a win in your NHL debut, not a big deal for Mads. What's, what's not to like about Get, that? Gets the bike helmet and shades. What was your reaction when you saw that video come out? I was just so happy and so proud of him. <laughs> yeah. He had, a, he had a great game, first of all. The team yep. played well. And I was just so happy to him. Who are, let's say, before Mads, because I know you're in an interesting spot here, but you're a Senators fan first and foremost, I would imagine. Who are some of the players on the team that you really vibe with and that you like the way that they play right now? Obviously, Brady Chuck is a huge huge player. I love him. I love the way he's playing. I love his attitude to the game. I love his fierceness. What's not to like about him, first and foremost, and... I also like Tim Stutzler. Yep. I think he has a great game. Some of the other guys, Norris, Rick Batherson, just scored the OT winner. Yeah, there you right go. Now. He's That's a sense fan. Yeah. He's following Wait, along. what happened with Denmark beating Canada the other day? Just a better team. I don't know. <laughs> fair. I mean, fair. No, in all seriousness, I think just Denmark had a solid defense and capitalize on our chances so yeah yeah no that's funny that's funny um you mentioned brady kachuk mad said we had to ask you the story when you got a random facetime all of a sudden brady's there take us through that day (laughs) well uh it was kind of funny masses told me be ready at around nine or so okay okay what's what's up uh just be ready just be ready (laughs) and i'll okay okay sure sure and then time come and he called me and say someone wanted to say hi to you I don't know anybody there and then all of a sudden Brady is talking to me and I'm a little bit starstruck not to be uh, to be honest with you guys yeah and then I mean I talked more to him than I talked to him in the draft it was uh I met him he was there right right yeah I met him at the draft and I was so starstruck I could barely say a word to him (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he's an, an elite NHL star, captain Big of your favorite too. team. Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, Madge Absolutely. is a pretty big kid too, Frank. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well speaking of that, I want to ask you, when did Mads really hit his growth spurt? Like, was he always a big kid or was it like one summer? He's just like, boom, just skyrocketed up. How did that go? I mean, I've always been the, the tallest one of us. Uh, <laughs> obviously, I'm the oldest. Quick chirp. Nice. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I stopped growing around when I got 192 or so, but Mads over a, like a, a summer, I think he grew like, I don't know, 15 centimeters. Woo. And all of a sudden, I looked up at him and said, I said <laughs> what's going on here, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because for, for people listening on this side of the pond, you guys do centimeters. That's six foot three. So it's not like Jonas yeah. is a small guy. But then, I mean, <laughs> he just kept going and going. And it, yeah. it does him well being a goalie, right? The bigger you are, yeah, less I, net you give up. That's the best analysis you'll get from me on this show. Boom. Yeah, <laughs> it's a great analysis. Yeah, <laughs> credit to me. That's awesome. So how yeah. how do you follow the team? I'm I'm curious about that because it's the time change. It's so hard. Well, uh, I mean, obviously, I work in a bakery, so I I, I wake up very early, um, and uh, sometimes I get to see like the third period maybe of of the game. I I would try to watch as many games as I can. And obviously the, the, you know, the noon afternoon games I can watch uh, over here. So that's, that's, that's lovely and nice to see. Yeah. So are, do you have any plans of um, going over to Belleville or Ottawa or anywhere uh, depending on where he's playing to go catch a live game for Mads anytime soon? Well, I think you have have a beer waiting for you with Brady too, Mads was saying. So you got to get over here now. Yeah. Well, it's going to be a Budweiser beer too now that he's an official sponsor. (laughs) Yeah. It has to be, right? (laughs) Yep. But uh, I know, and uh, I think uh, my mom and I were supposed to go over and and have Christmas with Mads, but uh, COVID struck the team and struck Mads. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it didn't happen. But I think. I think this year I'll, I'll come over to watch hopefully both uh, building, but also a sense game. So, yeah. Yeah. And I also no. talked about, uh, sorry, I also talked about the uh, Nashville. He, he said, I have to go there as well. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Nashville we'll, does, it's does on seem our list awesome. Too. And yeah, Winnipeg, yeah. buddy. We'll, we'll come to Winnipeg. We'll have some fun. There you yeah. go. Yeah, we'll meet in Winnipeg. I love to. Tourist destination. <laughs> Let's go, Bill. <laughs> Yeah, now, um, sure. I, I'm really interested in um, the Denmark, as we just talked about, Denmark beat Team Canada recently. So they're really kind of climbing up uh, in the hockey ranks. Who are some uh, some Danish hockey players that uh, you like to watch or or maybe some some guys that uh, you think should be on our radar to, to keep an eye out for Danish prospects? Perfect follow up to a Winnipeg point, because I know we got one here. Yeah, obviously you got Elis. Yeah, like he's he's he's. Just one of a kind. He's a special player. He's the speed he has is unbelievable. Uh, yeah, no one his, can catch his, up with him. His dad is the national team coach too, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, wow. he is. Okay, yeah, that's super cool. They took a photo together, right? Mads' second game was uh, yeah. was against Winnipeg, so yes, that, that must have been pretty cool. And uh, I, was... the, the gloves that I wear for outdoor hockey, a former senator, Peter Regan. Yeah, who's, I was going to uh, get into Peter yeah. Regan. Peter, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, awesome. uh, yeah. He he was also one of the of uh, one of the guys I I looked up to uh, watching oh. his uh, his Ottawa's uh, day. Of course, he was a great player as well. 
playing now in Switzerland, I think. Yeah, I think he's in Switzerland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's doing one heck of a job on the on the national team, being the captain there. Obviously, we have. Uh, it's also a funny story. I I watched one Ottawa game. It was uh, against the uh, New York Islanders where okay. uh, Franz Nielsen was playing. Okay. Yep. Yeah. At that time, we won six nothing. So that was a great game. <laughs> you love to see that. That's I awesome. See that. It was it was so crazy. That's awesome, man. Well, we appreciate you jumping on. This has been a great story time, man. And I know it's getting late for you there, but I love that you're still following along with the team. And Philzy, Jonas isn't the first guy overseas to fall in love with the Senators from the video game. Like that yeah. itself to me is pretty cool. <laughs> that is hilarious. And uh, Jonas, I got one last question for you, not hockey related. And maybe you'll cringe at me asking this, but we got a Danish baker on the pod. So I got to ask. Are Danish Danishes the pastry product? Is that huge for you guys, or is that just something in in North America, like the the Danish pastry? That's what everybody loves here. Is that like your your main thing? You're getting up in the morning and making, or or is that just kind of a, a lame stereotype? Great question. Oh, I mean, it's, thank you. There's different kinds of Danish uh, pastry. So like, uh, I, I like the raspberry the, ones with uh, cheese. Yeah. That's my go-to. With cheese, mm-hmm. yeah, like a cream cheese or uh, like the cream cheese icing on top. Oh, it's not that common to say in in Denmark. Like we okay. we we're, we're more on just regular frosting and then okay, maybe some jams and custard inside. It's um yeah. What's nice. your favorite type of pastry? Good follow up question. There you go. Yep. Well, that's a difficult one. Um. Uh, we have a we have a thing in Denmark. Um, it's like leftover cake. It's all your leftover and with like a rum extract in it and some chocolate, uh, like chocolate cocoa powder in it. Okay. And that's Matt's favorite as well. I like uh, that. I'm listening, Ross, man. I think we're, we we got to take a trip over to Denmark and have some <laughs> of, uh, Jonas's baking. I'm definitely down for that. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to make the scouting trip. More than welcome. By the way, uh, you can you can put a tastam on Mass's helmet. Oh, what's that? Is that one of those? That's, things? that's one of those. Like your the leftover cake. Oh, perfect! There we go. Okay. We'll, we'll yeah, have the Great Dane like eating one of those. Have one hanging out of his mouth. Yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. there you go. See, we're cooking now, man. We're yeah. cooking. We're, we're baking, Ross. Pastry. We're baking. We're baking. <laughs> baking Jonas, up some ideas. You are the man. We really appreciate you coming on, and let's do this again next season, either before or right after you make the trip to North America. I want to hear all about it. But we yep. appreciate you coming on, man. This has been a ton of fun. No, thanks for having me, guys. Stick taps to Jonas for joining us. What an absolute beauty. I hope we do get to run into him when he comes over next season. Love that conversation, and he better bring some pastries with him as well. Ross, I'm still a little embarrassed that I thought it was cream cheese frosting they used on the pastry, <laughs> on the Danishes. Like, I don't... Like, I've said a lot of dumb stuff on the show, but that's one after I said it, I was like, oh, man, that is not what I meant. I think I was thinking, don't you use cream cheese frosting on cinnamon buns? Is that what it frosting is? Frosting and icing are the same thing, right? 
that's a question we should have asked Jonas there. But I don't know. I had that in my head for some reason. But at least Jonas was nice enough to cal- calmly correct me. He didn't get offended. Like, that is not how we make Danishes in Denmark. But, yes, over overall, it was a great chat with him. Uh, he had a lot of energy. And it's just – it's cool to see – a Sens fan that has a tie to the organization, like his younger brother getting drafted there. But that's not the reason he's a Sens fan. Like no. he was already a Sens guy and there's no obviously geographical uh, connection or there's no, like it was just a random occurrence. And he's like, yep, these are my guys. And uh, it was just really cool to get to see him follow along. Like imagine one of uh, you or I, our siblings get drafted by the Sens. Like what an wow. ultimate rush that must've been. So awesome. The, both Sogards. Like if you, if you missed the chance to listen to our second interview with Mad Sogard a little while ago, don't definitely watch our first. Don't watch the first. Yeah, definitely uh, watch the first one. Maybe I'll put up a, a little uh, clip to that video over here. For can, for the first one? No, for the second okay, one. Okay, good. My hair is so so you get uh, an idea of what the Sogards are like, and then you can uh, follow that up with today's uh, Jonas Sogard, which you just watched. There you go, absolute beauties, the Sogard family. Yes. Awesome, great. Cheers to them for going on. We're still working on the design ideas for Mad Sogard's helmet. I thought <laughs> we, we had a lot of ideas baking in the oven here for his helmet. All right, to the draft rankings we go, Pilsy. This is always a lot of fun. We're we're getting there. We did twenty prospects last week, Pilsy. Twenty. Yeah. The I, I'm not gonna lie. I'm the kind of guy where like I'll study for a test and I'll know it so well, and then as soon as I'm done writing the test, it's like delete. So like a lot of these prospects, like especially the ones from before, I've already forgotten about. But we're moving on forward, and I am dialed in on these three guys today. Coming in at number 44 with an average rank of 43, we're going over to Russia for Vladimir Grudenin, an undersized but extremely mobile defenseman. Yes, similar to a favorite of yours, Ross, Lane Hudson, similar size, although Vladimir Grudenin is 5'10", 150 pounds, so he's got two inches on uh, on your pal Lane there. Growth plates, baby. For now, that's fair. Yep, definitely. Um, and he, like most guys in Russia, do similar to Sweden. They bounce around a couple leagues. So he was playing in the MHL. He got in 18 games. He had two goals, 11 assists. Then in the VHL, 12 games, three points. And then the KHL, six games, only one assist there. So he had a little bit of a taste of each of the leagues over in Russia. And He's a small defenseman. That is very clear. So we're going to have the typical small defenseman chat. I know it gets old, but it's a very similar situation for a lot of these guys. There's a lot of them in this draft. It seems that way, eh, Ross? And look, he uses his size to his advantage. He's small and he's shifty. He's able to avoid contact in certain situations. And he uses that evasiveness to his advantage rather than a disadvantage. Yeah, certainly. But what I noticed about him is he activates in the offensive zone all the time. We'll pull up his card right now and get into it further. He's playing with Moskva right now with the Red Army there. And he's obviously spending a lot of the time in the MHL because the KHL, like the one game he actually got ice time, he got an assist. But there's games where he dresses in the KHL and gets zero minutes and zero seconds. Wow. Like, What's the (laughs) point? Yeah, this is, I, I don't understand a lot of the development processes overseas. It seems very confusing to me. I'm excited to ask Tony Ferrari. I've already jotted in my notes. We've got to ask him about that because the rankings, 
He's nowhere to be found on Craig Buttons. He's nowhere to be found on Corey Prodman's. He's nowhere to be found on Chris Peters. He's an honorable mention for Bob McKenzie, who did a top 81. And he's an honorable mention for Scott Wheeler, who did a top 64. But for, for Tony Ferrari, he's 19th on his board. 19th on his board. And Elite Prospects has him at 29th. So you're like, wait, 19 plus 29? How's it an average of 43? Well, we did do a video explaining our rankings. So you can go find that on our YouTube as well. So he comes in with an average of 43. And to me, he's a guy who's going to have to bulk up even further. So you said he's 150, right? Was that Elite Prospects that had that? Yeah. So I use the NHL Central Scouting so everyone is in the same boat or at least in the same entity for that. So he's 158 there. And you can see from the photo, like he looks like he doesn't look like a small guy, maybe a little bit diminutive in height, but he doesn't look like he's thin or, or a, a piece of paper out there. So I think that it's, it's going to be exciting to see how long it takes him to develop because he could be one of these guys who stays in Russia for three, four, hell, even five years. But then they're the kind of guys that when they come over, they You're win right. the Calder Trophy. <laughs> like, that's how that works. Um, Spell Calder with a K, hey? <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Um, th- yeah, this is an interesting thing about Grudina. And I noticed the same things, Ross. I was like, how are some of the top scouts and analysts not, like, they're not even interested in him. And then other guys, like Tony, have him so highly touted. And I think that um, it's... When you're a little player like this, there's guys that don't mind that. And then there's guys where it's it's a big deal, right? And that's going to get factored in. And if you guys haven't checked it out, Will Scouch, he does great uh, profiles about these players. He did a 14-minute video on uh, Grudinen, and I thought it was great. He explains that while Grudinen's never going to out-muscle guys when defending, he uses his mobility, his good skating efforts to hound guys like he will chase you in the offensive zone all shift long like you think okay I'll get him away from from here no I'll pivot here he's right with you like he will he will follow you until he can get that loose puck from you if he needs to and I think that's a really good um uh attribute for him and even when he is out muscled because he's gonna get out muscled he's he's small it happens he's gonna find ways that he can be a problem for you he'll use his stick to poke poke it away he'll try to lift your stick he'll try to tie you up all those kinds of things so for the small guy narrative the liability on defense doesn't really match up with Grudinen in my opinion Two goals, 11 assists for 13 points in 18 games in MHL action this season. Zero penalty minutes to go along with it. So for a a smaller guy, you're right, in the defensive zone, he's not relying on hooking, tripping, or core holding guys to keep them off the puck. Now, when I was watching the Elite Prospects, they were doing their scouting meeting, and J.D. Burke there said he sees a lot of Sam Girard in in his game. Do you think that's a decent comparable? Yeah, I mean, makes sense. Very similar. The only thing is... Is and uh, Will Scouch talks about this. Is he doesn't get power play time in Russia? And you, you mentioned it. They're a KHL game where he's dressed and plays zero shifts, zero minutes. Like, wouldn't you see this guy and be like, "All right, if like if you're not going to play him, then at least get him on the ice for the man advantage. Like, just have him as a power play specialist as a default. Like, that's at least where you can have him. And they just weren't doing that, which for Grudin and I feel bad for him because he's not getting an opportunity to shine. And he's able to play so well 
in the offensive zone, but he doesn't get that prime opportunity. So I think there's a lot of untapped potential here that playing in Russia and playing in those higher leagues really stifles him. What is your Senator's opinion of him? Do you think he's a guy that would help their prospect pool? This may sound funny because I've mostly said positive things about him, Ross, but I've got him at two and a half stars here just because I have a similar note to you where you said, oh, this is a guy who might be in Russia two, three, maybe even four years. I have that feeling here. And for the Sens, I don't think that's really want the, what they want here. And look, if you're going to bet on a small player with high offensive upside, let's bet, bet on Lane Hudson. Yeah, fair enough. And a guy who you know the Senators are much more comfortable drafting out of that program. Exactly. I'm trying to look back because obviously they drafted Igor in 2020, but they drafted him out of the Quebec League, not out of Russia. You have to go so far back. So far back. Till when the last time they drafted out of Russia was. I'm I'm already down in 2010. I don't have any. Uh, I'm looking still. Do, 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 do. I can't even think of a player. Oh, I got one. 2005 is the last time they drafted out of Russia. Vitaly Anakalenko out of Yaroslav. And we actually have a Yaroslav product coming up in this trio of draft prospects. We also have an undersized defenseman. So a little bit of everything. Hey, that draft, they drafted two players out of Russia. The other one being Ilya Zubov, who got 11 games with Ottawa, played a full season in Binghamton. So did come over two full seasons in Binghamton, did come over, but... I'm with you. I got him at three stars. Again, like if the team wants him, I could talk myself into his strengths of his game, but he's not a guy who I'm banging the table and saying, hey, go out and get this guy. But certainly a guy who I think will help a prospect pool. I could see a a team like Tampa going after him in like the second round if he's still available and just being like, all right, we've got a bunch of Russians. I think when he comes over, he'll be able to be integrated right away and we'll get him in the mix. Power play specialist, a guy who's going to play in all likelihood on your bottom pair. All right. Coming in at number 43 on our 2022 locked on senators NHL draft rankings with an average of 40.4 right shot defenseman from the North Bay battalion. It's Ty Nelson. And Ross, this is the player you alluded that we had boots on the ground to watch him. We got to see him in the playoff series up against the Ottawa 67s and I'll, I'll say it right now. I'm a big Ty Nelson guy. Like I, I thought uh, I was pretty impressed with what I saw from him. He's a rookie defenseman in the OHL in the playoffs in 13 games. He had 10 assists. The battalion were just swept by the Hamilton Bulldogs in the conference finals. So his playoffs is over. Although you got to give stick taps for the battalion. They knocking off the 67s, then the Kingston Frontenacs. They were Ottawa Senators prospect killers. <laughs> Yeah. In their run to the conference finals, unfortunately. And, and they got swept by Hamilton. Hamilton yes. hasn't lost a game in the playoffs yet. Yeah. And I, <laughs> Chandler Romeo is not with Hamilton anymore. He got traded to the Sarnia Sting. So that's yeah. too bad that one Sens prospect couldn't knock <laughs> off the North Bay Battalion. But I digress. In 66 games, he had nine goals, 42 assists. He had the most assists by a rookie in the OHL. That's good for 51 points. He's a right shot defenseman. And uh, Ross, I'll, I'll let you uh, pull up the graphic and uh, read off the dimensions since you've got the NHL uh, central scouting dimensions. Well, he's a lot thicker than the other exactly. little defensemen that's what that I we, wanted to we've highlight. had on. 196 pounds and still only standing five foot mm. ten. And again, this was a guy who missed all of his development year 
which would have been his first year in the OHL. And he was the first overall pick. We've talked about a few guys who were top 10 picks in that OHL draft in 2020. He was the first overall pick out of the Toronto Junior Canadians. And he's a first round talent in the eyes of Craig Button, who has him at 23rd overall. Scott Wheeler has him at 29th. Chris Peters at 33. Bob McKenzie at 34. So you think like, okay, there's the range we're working in there, right? <laughs> 23 to 34? Nuh-uh. Elite Prospects has him all the way down at 83. And I want to mix it up. You, I'll let you hit the stats afterwards, but I want to talk about why Elite Prospects has him so low first. Because again, I was just watching on YouTube. They've got their scouting meeting with all their great minds and all that. Um, one guy hates us though. Um, the guy who said Jake Sanderson was an awful pick, but he didn't, he said like three words during the whole meeting and then left halfway through. So, you know what? We'll leave it at that there. But with Ty Nelson, what they said was instead of getting better throughout the season, it was the opposite. Like I'm looking at his game log here. Actually, you know what? I'm going to pull it right up because to me, this is, this is actually pretty, pretty wild here. This going from bottom to top. This is the start of his season pillsy in the OHL Two assists. Then one, then one, then two, then two. Like this guy had six multi-point games out of his first 10 in the OHL. And that's how you make an impact coming in right off the bat. But ah, the numbers weren't quite there at the end of the season. If you scroll up here, there's a lot more zeros. Still a few good games. Not saying that he completely fell off the map. However, look at this stretch here from the end of December all the way through. You're only seeing three multi-point games. And not that that's everything. Good little stretch here, though. And maybe streakiness would be better rather than getting worse throughout the year. He did, you know, slow down. Not that the team, the team got shut out in two of the four games against Hamilton. So you kind of have to take that with a grain of salt. But for what he brings, which I think at the next level is going to be more of an offensive minded guy. The elite prospects team thought that he lacked creativity and awareness coming out of his own zone, sometimes fumbling around on the breakout. So that's why they have him that low. But clearly... He's a noteworthy prospect because we mentioned everyone else has him in the end of the first round, early second round range. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a fair point, Ross. And I don't know this. This is just speculation or me trying to come up with reasons why that happened. My first instinct when you're explaining that is this is an OHL rookie defenseman, a first overall pick in the OHL selection draft. So when he's starting in a new league, the coaches are just like, hey, we know you've got the offensive ability. Just run loose, like get points, take chances. Let's see what you can do. Okay, he starts off hot. He's getting points. Okay, we know you can do that. Let's let's dial things back a little bit here. How about we start focusing on the defensive side of your game? How about instead of pinching three out of four times, you let the forwards take care of that and you make sure you're staying back for an odd man rush the other way if the puck gets turned over? How about instead of taking a shot from the point every time you get the puck, why not try to cycle it and we'll try to get some more ozone time here? Just things like that that I think halfway through a season, a coach will look at a top rookie defenseman and be like, we know you got the points. That's great. But now we got to start working on other parts of your game. And when you do that, you're going to bring down the offensive production just naturally. So that would kind of be my rebuttal to that. I don't know if that's true. Again, that's just me speculating and trying to think of why there would be such a, a shift in your numbers like that. But that's something that I would maybe look into. And it would be interesting to get a chance to talk to the North Bay Battalion coach to see if he would say the same thing. Yeah, I'd, I'd be super interested in, in hearing that as well. When we're looking at just the production, though, for the season, I mean, this guy put up points, right? He's playing on a good team, sure, yep. and you can always say that, but, I mean, he's put up points every every single year 
going back to his, you know, under 14 team. And that's a, a big reason why this guy was drafted in the first overall in the OHL draft. 51 points in 66 games, plus 24, 39 penalty minutes. Now, nine goals during the regular season, none during the playoffs, still had 10 assists in 13 games. So when you're looking at what different guys are going to bring throughout, I'm just looking at Scott Wheeler, who had him 29th. His write-up said he's always been a draw for his offensive skill, but he's an athletic kid who's heavy over his skates, grown nearly two inches, and there's some risk there as well because he needs to learn to simplify. And maybe that is kind of what Elite Prospects is alluding to about lacking awareness, but knowing that he's always had the skill to just get by guys. So I think simplifying is going to be a big thing for him. And I'll I'll let you continue there, but I'll just say that Scott Wheeler finishes up by saying his shot's a weapon, not afraid to use it. He's always eager to jump up into the rush, lead transitions, side steps pressure with ease. And while, while Wheeler wouldn't say he's fast, His stride is compact and balances, which allows him to kind of spin off of pressure and get away from from, uh, four checkers. Ross, I want to focus on the one point you said, his shot is a weapon. Now, this is the, the meathead hockey fan in me, and I'm fully willing to admit that. But there's a highlight of him ripping a puck bar down, and the puck splits in two. Stop. Wet, like... When do you ever see that? Like across hockey leagues around the world, when do you see a shot so hard that it splits the puck in two? Like that is just, that's so cool. And I know that analytics people are probably like, wow, yawn. Like what was his Corsi on that play? Uh, Yeah. Expected puck puck splits per season. (laughs) Yeah. Where's the stat on that? Um, It's just cool to see that. So I thought that was, that was awesome. And that just, Ties into the fact that yes, he has an elite shot, and 24 of his of his uh, 51 points were on the power play. This guy is meant to quarterback a power play. Kyle Watson from Dauber Prospects said he checks all the boxes of a power play anchor type. And when you have a right shot defenseman that's able to um, handle a power play like he is. And I love that, sure, he's only five foot ten, but when you're nearly 200 pounds, it's going to be hard to outmuscle this guy for loose pucks. It's going to be hard to strip the puck away from him. He's going to be better defending in front of uh, his own net, boxing guys out. Like, there's just so much that I like about this player that I can understand where Elite Prospects is, is going with, but I think that's... Sometimes elite prospects find something wrong with the player and they're like, we have to put a million red flags yeah. over this one thing. And we're going to, everyone's going to look at all the other rankings and say, wow, they're so uh, limited thinking. We're the big brain thinkers. We're going to have them all the way at 84 because of this one thing we found. And that's fine. And they do great work and we always appreciate it. But sometimes I find they lean so heavily on mistakes or things they like that they try to be so different than everyone else. And it, it kind of like all the way down at 84 is that that's where they yeah. were when everyone else has him either a late like end of the first round or start of the second round. Yeah. So I tend to agree with um, the other grouping of uh, rankings there and Ross. I've, I've got Ty Nelson at four and a half stars. Whoa. That's, that's my highest rating yet. And yes, it is just because. I think he brings such a different element than um, other right-hand shot defensemen in the prospect uh, pipeline right now. JBD, 
nowhere near similar to what Ty Nelson is. Lassie Thompson, a little bit. Like, we love the Tom Bomb, and we thought he was going to be a power play guy. He's kind of turned into a better defender rather than an offensive guy. I would say Lassie, or at least more of an even-out guy. Whereas Ty Nelson is going to be a guy that you can have in your bottom four, even strength pairs, but you can have quarterback a top power play unit and you can feel comfortable about that and I think that's so much value that even if the Senators decide he's not going to find a place in this system he has amazing trade value because a lot of teams want that kind of player now I would just say maybe lacks a little bit of the dynamicism and maybe that puts him into Eric Branstrom territory but if you're looking at the second round rather than middle of the first round maybe that is the type of guy who you'd want in that so I got three stars again I'm not banging the table for him, but I'm glad that you are. Alfie's banging the table for him. I'm with, I'm with Alfie fun. on that one. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Alfie, you got to stop doing that. Hey, get out of here. All right. Alfie's all fired up. Everyone loves a good Alfie appearance every now and again. Oh, he brought me the ball. Okay, good. Now he's not squeezing it anymore. Good stuff. Um, all right. So that's Ty Nelson, who I've got at three stars from the North Bay Battalion. All right. Coming in at number 42 with an average of 40.2, Alexander Paravalov, he is an absolute offensive weapon out of the MHL. And our first non-defenseman of the day, Ross, as uh, Paravalov is a classic Russian, a right shot left winger. They always love to do that. And this is finally, Ross, we have a guy where he spent most of his time in one league overseas. Most of his time was at the MHL where he had 42 games played and 25 goals, 25 assists good for 50 points and in nine playoff games three goals one assist good for four points so i was talking to spoke z who uh, does a lot of good work covering mhl all that kind of stuff he said that he started the year on an absurd pace like 22 goals in his first 20 games something like that so he just came out absolutely humming got a great shot creative in the offensive zone plays a decent complete game again didn't get any ice time when he got called up and played a few games at the KHL level. That scouting report brought to you by our good buddy at Spoked C. And when we're looking at his statistical profile, yeah, 25 goals, 25 assists in 42 games this season, 32 penalty minutes, not afraid to mix it up. I was reading an article on him in the Hockey News Pilsy. In Russia, he's getting stylistic comparisons to David Pasternak, which, I mean, you are looking at just the best of the best in terms of offense, creativity, the shot. Now, I don't know if I saw exactly that, but he's certainly a guy that you just wind him up on the power play and let him be the trigger man. So he brings a lot. He's a six foot, 191 pound left winger. But as we see with a lot of Russians, a left winger, but a right shot. So played five KHL games this year, no points, not a lot of ice time, but Pilsy. A lot of scouts that we have really, really like him. I'll leave you to go through that, including another prospect that Elite Prospects does not like. This is a very similar situation, Ross, as we have Craig Button, 21, Bob McKenzie, 24, Scott Wheeler, 36, Chris Peters, 25. So you're looking at a range of 21 to 36, which, I mean, 15 picks it sounds like a lot, but really went in the range of scouts and what we've been looking at. That's fairly, fairly tight together. Where does Elite Prospects have them? Have him, sorry. 95. <laughs> You're looking at a range now of 74 different of, of uh, range from Craig Button to Elite Prospects. So 
I don't know, maybe they had the protractor out and the angles of his strides weren't uh, at the exact dimensions that elite prospects like here, but that just seems wild to me. Yeah, it looks like he's leaning over uh, in, in his photo. Maybe that's got something to do with it. But in all seriousness, this is a guy who moved away from home at a very young age to join the uh, Yaroslav program. Over 3,000 kilometers from where he's from, oh, wow. Pilsy. Sometimes he's you from, forget how big Russia is. He's from Siberia. Like, he is from just north of Mongolia. Like, he is way east so yeah. like when you said to... moved away from home i was like he didn't play junior in uh in north america or he didn't play over in like sweden or something what are you talking about moved away from home but yes yeah. that is definitely fair yeah so i mean that takes some adjustment as well you might know um his coach in yaroslav is uh denish grebishkov who uh, played for the oilers for a little bit former nhl player there so Probably learning at least enough English to get by from from that, but didn't get any chance playing with Locomotive uh, Yaroslav. Unfortunately, that's the uh, organization that had to deal with the the plane crash. Rest in peace to all those, including a couple former senators were in that. But they've rebuilt the program since then, and uh, I think he's going to be a big part of it going forward. Again, didn't get the opportunity this year, but... I see him as being a KHL guy next year and being done with the the junior program in, in the MHL. He's at a point, Ross, where that needs to happen. I mean, like, yeah. like I mentioned, he played 42 games in the MHL. That doesn't happen for Russian prospects. Usually yeah, they true. bounce around MHL, VHL, KHL. And clearly they were like, you need to dominate here so you can be ready to play in the KHL. And I think that's where he's at. I like the Pasternak comparable because he has a lethal shot. But... As you can tell from his stats, 25 goals, 25 assists. He's a dual threat guy. Like he can dish the puck too. I watched some highlights uh, of him on two on ones. He's the type of player you want with the puck on his stick for a two on one because he can rip it top cheese on a goalie or he can have them think he's going to shoot and then make that cross ice pass on the tape to his teammate for a good backdoor pa- uh, tap in. So I-, I really like him and he plays both sides of special teams. And uh, when he's on the penalty kill, he becomes an offensive threat that you can't cheat on the power play because if you give him a rush the other way, he'll just snipe one. So I think he's he's a very interesting player and uh, there's a lot of potential here, but I, I don't have him as a guy the Sens should really target. I got him at three stars here because I think he might spend some time in Russia as well. And I fully expect the Sens, if they do keep the seventh pick, to draft a winger there, and then they would have to use back-to-back picks on a winger here. I don't think that's the play. So that's why I'm a little bit down on him. Yeah, I've got him at three and a half stars. I just think the elite offensive skill, the determination, the way he hounds pucks in the offensive zone, he's going to be an NHL middle six player, I think, is, is a safe projection for uh, for Paravalov. And Cam, Cam Robinson from Elite Prospects says he thinks he's a first-round talent. Lots of skill, lots of speed. Keeps his head up, makes nice plays. But in the Hockey News article, Paravalov says that he's really working on his vision and trying to become a more complete offensive player. So love that from him. He's a little bit of a later birthday, maybe right in the middle there, when you're looking at a guy who's born April 16th, 2004. So I'd see a lot of upside from him. But again, yeah, he's he's a guy who he signed in the KHL through 2024. So he's at least over there for the next two years. And I think he'll probably stay a year or two after that. But when you get him, it's going to be a long-term project. But I do think that the offensive ability will translate into the National Hockey League.
For more draft profiles, you can check out Locked On Senators wherever you get your podcasts, including on YouTube. Subscriptions go a long way. Let us know what you think of today's draft profiles from 42 up to 44. Pillsy, before we go, you've got a parlay of the day. Yep. Uh, thanks to our friends over at betonline.net. Head to- Are you still 5 5 and 8 rather? Sorry. Um or no, you, I think I'm five one? and nine now. Five I didn't nine, yep. uh, didn't hit last one. I'll I'll, I'll be honest. Um, game seven. Here we go. Like this has been a wild series. It's the only game on tonight. There's two ways this can go, Ross. Either Igor Shosturkin shuts the door and the Rangers yep. are successful, or the Kaniacs or the Kaniacs are too much to handle. It becomes a running gun type game, and the Hurricanes win this. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I mean, they're perfect at home. Why oh, come wouldn't, on. Why wouldn't they be perfect on the road, Ross? I'm sorry. I know you got a lot on the Rangers. But the, the parlay game, you can't play with emotions. Sometimes you got to bring the stats in. So that's what I'm doing. So the parlay is Hurricanes money line at minus 145. Matched with the over set at five and a half at plus 128 odds. Put $10 in. You're going to win $28.52. That is Pillsy's playoff parlay of the day. Oh, oh, you know what? I'll levy lock it. I'll say Mika's a Banajad game seven winner, just so we have to hear the discourse once again about how the Senators let him go. Hey, Broussard's uh, still in the playoffs too. Look out. <laughs> Facts. He and Turris <laughs> mixing it up in the press box up in Edmonton. So, hey, the third round's going to be fantastic. Parlay is still hitting at 35%. So nothing wrong with that from your standpoint, Pillsy. But I'm hoping you lose this one because I my parlay was Lightning Series, Rangers Series at plus 550. So let's go. We need that. We'll be back tomorrow to discuss that and get back into our countdown into the 30s, Billsy. We are absolutely buzzing through that. But for today, we say goodbye. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day.